man, ugliest kids ever. Welcome, everybody, to episode seven of Digesting Cinema with Aaron and Christina. I'm Aaron, and as always, I'm here with my host, Christina, and we are here to discuss silent movies this week. That is what's come up on the schedule for this week. We're finally out of the decades and into a little more specific categories. We're starting with a pretty obscure one. This might be our oldest movie of the year. It is Girl Shy. But before we get into that, I'm here with my host, Christina, as I said. Christina, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Happy Valentine's Day to all of our listeners. I hope everyone had a nice time. Even if you were celebrating alone, sometimes those are my favorite Valentine's Day because let's be real, I love myself the most. Absolutely. Likewise, uh, I also am a big fan of myself. Uh, Happy Valentine's Day to me and all of our listeners. We are recording this one on Valentine's Day. It's nice that we have a nice romantic comedy to discuss here from 1924 in uh, Girl Shy. So hopefully we have some listeners who decided to check this one out. It was available on YouTube and Criterion Channel starring Harold Lloyd. Before we kind of jump into the movie and get into our synopsis, what was your kind of initial reaction to getting ready to watch a silent movie? This was like basically your first one, right? So yes, this is the first silent movie I've ever seen. And I watch a lot of movies, but I feel like sometimes I'm a terrible movie watcher. Like if I'm not totally in, like my first instinct is to grab my phone and I'm like, oh, I'll just mm-hmm. catch like what's happening. Cause as I'm scrolling along, which is like the worst way to watch anything, but that's unfortunately who I am as a person. So whatever. Yeah, it's but, every, everybody so, watches it that way. Right. But I feel like... Like, so I was super nervous because I was like, I can't do that because there's no dialogue to keep up with. Like, you have to pay attention to every scene. You know, you have to pay attention to when the cue cards do pop up of what's happening when they explain any dialogue that does come up. So you have to really focus on it. But yeah, so I was nervous before I watched it. I've only seen a handful of silent movies and a lot of them I've started seeing this year. So I wasn't as nervous about getting into the movie because essentially it's just a foreign language film, but with no language here the language's expression essentially so you have to pay attention like when you watch a movie from korea or france i don't speak french or korean so i wasn't worried about getting into the movie in that way but i was worried that there would be a little bit of a learning curve with it to where i wouldn't have been able to quite get immersed in it like a little bit of like film comprehension with it being a silent film as opposed to just a regular more traditional so i just was kind of worried it was going to feel like school a little bit or something definitely didn't just uh like hide that little bit it definitely didn't feel like school and uh i really have found a lot that i like about this genre in this week so i'm very very glad that we were able to check this out which we'll probably get into with the movie a little bit but you want to kind of hop in with a Little synopsis. This is Girl Shy starring Harold Lloyd, which this last thing before we go into that. I've always known Buster Keaton. I've always known Charlie Chaplin. Harold Lloyd, have I heard that name or haven't I? I don't think I really have. Yeah, no. And then you look in and he's he's kind of that third silent film star from this era. Not Maybe only his star favorite. in this movie, he also produced it. Yeah. He's he credited did. as the producer, which I thought was interesting. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I mean, he really very weird looking guy. 
and it really just works for me first and foremost. So big fan of Harold Lloyd after this week right away. Alrighty. So just to give you guys a little bit of a recap, I'm going to do an original recap this time because I feel like the ones online are not doing this justice. So we meet a very shy young man named Harold. Um, so shy to the point where he stutters every time he's around a beautiful woman. He can't communicate his thoughts. Clearly, he really tries to, but he works in like a small shop. He's at a tailor's apprentice mm-hmm. and his big dream is he wants to write a book. He wants to become an author and the book he writes is about all of his love affairs and all of his love conquests that are obviously fictional because he's so shy around women. And on his trip to get his book published or to drop it off at the publishers, he meets a woman on the train. They, you know, that's their little meet cute, typical rom-com of they fall in love. And he later gets rejected by the book company. And well, he they tell them that they tell him that they're going to reject him. So he decides that he's done with love. He's done talking to this girl and then finds out that they actually changed their mind. And that motivates him to try and get her back. Was that a good synopsis? I mean, yeah, it's pretty much. And if people are being like, oh, so this is just a rom-com. Yeah, but this is the first rom-com. This is what this movie is actually known as, is the first rom-com ever. And that right there worried me initially because I thought it was going to be way more cliche than it ended up being. Yes, the cliches and tropes that have created this genre are ingrained from the get-go here. But the way that they're presented are so fresh, unique, and creative for it being the first one. I just, like, I'm blown away by the creative of this movie right away off the bat like I just thought the idea of having essentially in 2021 called like an incel or something write a book of how to pick up women it's like a lot of these people on Instagram or on the social medias who are always talking about women yet never are with women or always talking about what women want like but he's presented in a really shy fragile kind of way and but it's just so over the top the stuttering when you're watching him stutter you can't hear him obviously right. so he really is just like acting out the start and you're just like oh my god please stop like it's so bad he's like eating cheese off mouse traps like it's so over the top everything is so expressive it's just really worked for me and yeah harold lloyd was perfectly casted as this guy in this movie yeah so spoiler alert to everyone i freaking loved this like i definitely went into this like crap like we have to watch a silent movie like this is going to be horrible i'm gonna have nothing to say because i'm not gonna pay attention i did not want to look at my phone once like it caught me like immediately I loved it I just I honestly felt this was so romantic this movie like and the comedy was like very slapstick but I think it worked Mm-hmm. because of obviously the era that this movie was made in. But I just, I don't know. I thought there was just a romantic air to it of just this like, it's the typical quote unquote nerdy guy that just like, just wants to fall in love and just wants somebody to accept him. And he's just, he's trying to be cool by writing the book of like, here's all the women I've dated. But like, keep Yeah. And this is in the twenties when that really was not like acceptable for anybody, man or woman to really talk about all their love affairs. I mean, when he right. brings up that he's had any at all to the woman that's interested in them it's just she's like you've had love affairs oh my god and then it's just like kind of one of these classic situations where the guy who's trying to present himself as this bad aloof can't be held down like it's working on this woman and now he's like "Uh uh-oh now i want to be me i want to walk this back i'm actually a really good guy it's like the way they meet is on the train obviously which is just like there's been how many countless movies that of individuals meeting at a train or a train stop it's like before sunrise brief encounters so many romances occur in like transient whether it's airplanes or train whatever and it's like this movie did it right from the get-go and it's like the guy's sneaking on the girl's dog 
log onto the train. I'm like, all right, you got me on board right here. Right. It's like, it's, it's like this is like I'm immediately relating to this character who if I change my glasses and my hair a little bit, I could probably rock a Harold Lloyd Halloween costume real quick. And no one would know who I was. If I, I could, Yeah, exactly. And everybody who listens to this podcast, you know, because we discovered Harold Lloyd apparently. But, you know, seriously, like it's like the way he is. I'm like right on board. It's well, this guy's kind of shitty like in modern terms by like making up all these fake stories where it's like one of them is like the vampire he titles all of the vignettes and then acts them out as he's writing them and i just love those scenes like one of them was like the vampire where it's literally like ignore the woman ignore her like advances ignore her and she'll just glom onto you even more it flashes back to him and i don't know if you noticed this or not but it changed the black and white a little bit to like more of a brown black and white look when it was in the tailor and this like idealistic like picturesque black and white when it was the vignettes right and I thought that was just like a really clever way of using different like hues to like change the mood and then needless to say I, before we go any further the music is a character throughout this entire oh, yeah. movie Robert Israel did the music and I just love how the music's used for sound effects at points like tires popping and like all of a sudden yes. horns would play I'm, it was so immersive it was so immersive. I couldn't imagine watching this 100 years ago and how much this had to blow people's minds of what oh, was happening. When I was watching it, one of the things I said to Anthony, I was like, are we sure we're watching the right movie? Because like, I feel like this could have been made like five years ago. Mm-hmm. It could have been. Right. I it mean, looked so well done. Yeah, the film restoration was done perfectly while still keeping the film intact. I mean, it's something I always think about a lot with older movies is that this movie was not made in 1924 thinking it was going to be reproduced, replicated, and replayed for 100 years. They were thinking, this is an event, it's being shown now, people who are going to see it are going to see it and during this time that it's being shown, and then it's just going to disappear. And then it reappeared after, you know, film museums and whatnot have found original footage and been able to restore it to make it look like this. So it's just like, it's really, a, I appreciate you bringing that up, but sorry to cut you off. Well, one of the things I noticed, cause I was like, man, like, I mean, you know, we'll get to the, the scenes though, but I mean, there's a train in this, there's trolleys, there's cars, there's horses. Like we literally hit like every mode of transportation. In the, the final scene. Right. In the but final scene. was crazy. So I actually looked up the, their budget for this movie was $400 hundred thousand dollars which translates today to a six million dollar budget and i was just like it was i was blown away like the set design alone in this movie is crazy you they just go to so many places there's so many people involved like so many extras so many modes of transportation yeah the camera work was amazing Mm -hmm. i truly was like i think we're not watching the right movie like this had to have been done very recently and like we're getting duped right now like this is not the 1924 version because it seemed like it was so well like how everything cut perfectly i did appreciate how everyone had super speed though back in you know 100 years ago (laughs) it's great Um, great Lloyd can chase cars like captain america can but (laughs) it's just like you know to peek behind the curtain here i decided to start this movie and play it as the podcast is going and it is in the final scene right now looking up and he's on the horse and buggy right now he had just gotten off of the motorcycle and i mean this is a just like 
to you know we're going to jump around a little because i think this is going to be more of an admiration podcast if you couldn't tell from the first 13 15 minutes already it is just like this wonderful scene of a, a wedding about to happen with the wrong guy and the just such a prick the other guy who is in love with the you know and it's the guy is referred to as rich man i don't know if he had a name the other guy well, like yeah, look at the credits none of them have names right it's poor boy who is harold it's right. rich man who's the other man it's poor girl and rich girl and right. like that's it and also man ugliest kids ever back in the 20s my god every kid in this movie looks like a horror show every <laughs> single one the first two are just hideous then there's the kid with the okay. newspaper it's like augustus like, gloop in the beginning yeah i was just like oh my god these like None of these people are great looking. I will say that. Like the women, the men, like they're all like really weird looking. But my God, the kids are horrific looking. <laughs> like seriously. I mean, I don't think anybody would disagree with that. These kids are very ugly and very scary. And But yeah, it's just like, I mean, it's just this classic scene at the end. It's been in so many terrible rom-coms where it's like stopping the wedding at the end. They'll go through anything to get it. It got came from here. It right. came from Girl Shy. Like he's like literally no matter what, it, no matter if it's horse, buggy, plane, train. And it's just like slowly grabbing the hand at the wedding and like then going back to the horse it's just like it's so romantic though at the end it's so and romantic. that end scene i think is about like 17 minutes of yeah. him realizing that she's gonna marry the wrong guy and that's like it's like a 15 minute in real time <laughs> watching him get there in 15 minutes like in other movies it's like oh i have to get to the girl and you see him run and then like cut the next yeah. scene he's there mm-hmm. we literally watched this man for 15 minutes do whatever i mean he committed crimes like he stole things he like ran a vehicle down a mountain he assaults people <laughs> the, stunt, the stunts that he's doing in real time on camera harold lloyd by getting off the buggy and onto the two horses yeah i haven't seen then like westerns where like a guy's been riding two horses at the same time and it's all being done right in front of you he was actually doing that Right. Like, I mean, they were actually shutting down these streets. He falls off a horse, like, right on and gets back up. Like, it's just like that probably wasn't supposed to happen. It feels so organic and just it's just a marvel and i mean my heart's racing as i'm re-watching my heart was racing as i watched it it was just like i had to think 100 years ago people seeing this right what they had to have thought it was like sorcery magic seriously it's incredible and i think especially now we're so used to cgi yeah. And if you think today, so much of that probably would have been done mm-hmm. with like, you know, having it not, you know, really happen. And I feel like it takes away the emotional attachment to it when, when you know it's not real. You know, yeah, yeah you can make it look real, but it, we know it's not. But mm-hmm. like we actually saw this man hop, you know, into cars and hang off of things. And I don't know, to me, it gives it a more of like an emotional connection when it's like you feel like you're with him on this because it's it all looks so real because it is real because it's all real stuff. And he's becoming like the hero of all the stories he was writing. He's better than any of the men he wrote about in his love affairs book, right. you know, which I don't Did think. Can we talk about the caveman? Oh, boy. Yeah. I mean, it's just, yeah, women want a caveman. You know, it's like just, I forgot what the name of the book was, but it was something like The Secrets to Lovemaking or something. Yeah. Yeah. Something. Yeah. The Secrets of Lovemaking. And then it's yeah. Y'all's Conquest. And what this chapter wasn't called, what was this chapter called? Because then he said, I use my caveman technique. Because the first one was the vampire where he ignores them. And I then can't it's my, Then it's my flapper. But yeah, the flapper. The flapper yeah. I 
made to use my demon. <laughs> and we basically just watched him just like beat the shit out of this girl. Yeah. Um, and then even Anthony was like, ooh, this is problematic because yeah. she kind of ignores him until he basically like grabs her by the throat, chucks her up against the wall and think fall on her. And then she's like, oh, my hero. And then like throws herself on him. And I was yeah. like, oh, that's a message. That's a message for young women everywhere. Yeah. It, it, it's like back then it like really was socially acceptable. It's like to the moon, Alice wasn't until the 50s. Right. It was like, this is t- 1924. Like it's just, it does a great job of setting up a character to not be super likable at first yet you have can't help but root for him as you see what he's willing to do to change his character and what he's willing to put himself through when he steals the woman's bag on the train and then pulls out her like pantyhose or whatever and wipes his face with him and then gets accused of theft it's just like you know he's like trying to hide the dog's bark on the train you know i hate to say this it's like i would try to be like this guy though and like i would watch this movie and be like oh like i i kind of get a lot of these and then there's obviously parts i don't agree with with harold but see i'm gonna gonna disagree with you on on your interpretation of him i didn't take him i didn't think him writing it was like what he truly believed so yeah, but, I, he wanted, but he wanted the image. He, right. But I but I think that that's what, I mean, think about it now. Like if we watch any rom-com or even just people like I know that like I went to high school with that are the quote unquote nice guys, you yeah. know, who never get the girlfriends. And they're like, well, I guess I have to be an asshole to get someone to like me. And like, this was 1924. And that's exactly what he was doing. He's making up stories to make him sound like an asshole when he's not one. And yeah. I, I like, I didn't take him as truly wanting to be one. There was never a point in the movie where i wasn't rooting for him i yeah, guess like, I, I really i just like really liked this movie a lot <laughs> yeah no i mean i did i was just kind of torn and it did kind of feel like the nice guy situation which is just like you know again like as we look at like problems from the past whatever subject you're looking into it's like history repeats himself it's like right. the nice guy thing has not is not a new phenomenon of 2021 or 2020s like this is the nice guy's been around since the dawn of time right it's like his was almost the opposite where he's like i can't let them know who i really am but he just was so overwhelmed by like wanting to be with women anyways that he couldn't stitch up a woman's legging you know it's like the guy was like really deranged also in a way he was it's, shy he definitely it's very romantic but if you put this guy in real life i mean all the things he did were like really I really mean, dangerous you also was misrepresenting himself with this woman and manipulating his image to get this woman to actually get attracted to him well i mean clearly he's a little bit of a creeper to today's standards but why as like the audience member, you just like can't help but love him. Can I just preface this with this week I binge watched I May Destroy You, which is a show that is highly about manipulation of relationships and just things like that. So maybe that's a little bit coloring my view. Just take that to what it may. I may be looking a little too far into that. But. Yeah, I don't feel like he overly manipulated her at all, to be honest. I think she got interested when he said love he'd had a ton of love affairs. Like she was like, Oh man man this she he's been liked by so many women he must be special i like him now like he it was false pretense. Yeah, but, but other than that though i don't think he changed much about his personality no no but it was what initially got her attracted to him otherwise it would have been like every other woman where he would have been like oh, 
you know, which I guess it's just the game of picking up women where you got to present yourself in one way before you're really yourself. Regardless, you know, Harold, like, I think that once he embraced who he really was, that's when the best aspects of him did chill out. I will say that. Um, I feel like you're getting a lot of personal connections to this character, and that's why you're being a little defensive right now. I, guys, I think Aaron is a quote-unquote nice guy and wants to know why <laughs> like, all the women aren't lining up. <laughs> uh, I, yep, I th- that's it. That's it. I've been exposed. I think I'm a nice guy. That's the key line with the nice guy. You have to say, I think I'm, I'm a nice guy, not I am a nice guy. They always say, <laughs> I think I'm a nice guy. So just a little negative wisdom from this nice guy. Yeah, because well, if you're definitively a nice guy, we know that's code word for a creeper. Run away. <laughs> run away. Anyways, what was your standout scene that we maybe haven't touched on yet? Well, when he ripped up a check, I was like, ah! <laughs> yeah, Seriously, especially in these COVID times. When they meet on the train, he's going to drop off his book. That's the whole premise. He wants to be an author. And uh, they tell him there that he's rejected. And that's where he's like, well, then, you know what? Screw this, then. I'm never going to get this girl. Love is pointless. Because, oh, he actually, I'm going to, when they met again, when he was in the on the boat and she walked over him on the bridge, I thought like, oh. The reflection in the, the reflection in the water. The reflection that's in the water, and he's like just daydreaming about her. And then she like stands on something and literally falls into his boat. It was just like he gets God. taken away on the turtle. It's like a Looney Tunes. Yeah, episode. he's like literally on a turtle, just walking away. Then he like steps out, gets in a bunch of shit. Like he, it, it unravels so quickly that he's not this smooth guy, and she still likes him. So that's right. where it really is like okay, right? She likes him for, like it, it really doesn't is even like, realize that. He doesn't even realize that because right. when he does get rejected, he that's when he's like, I can't be with this girl. He doesn't even believe that she genuinely likes him um, for who he is. I mean, they both keep like he kept the dog biscuit box and she kept the Cracker Jacks. The dog biscuit and just tried to rock it like he meant to do that. She yeah. kept the Cracker Jacks. Yep. Like, the Cracker Jack box really made me smile pretty hard. I was smiling throughout this movie. It really is a wonderful movie to just like enjoy and just watch the expressions and just live in the moment, live in the music. It's it's just delightful. The word I would use to de- describe this movie is delightful. delightful. Seeing, the, seeing the uncle so excited when he's with her at the tree. And yeah. he's like, no, 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 do not go down. This is literally like never going to happen again. Like, <laughs> this, is, this is it. Like, you cannot go down. He's like, that's my fiance. Like, it's just like, it's such a good romantic comedy. I mean, it would like, is definitely one that I think romantic comedy writers, directors, actors definitely are aware of. And definitely, I think it's, it's the citizen cane of romantic comedies. Well, yeah, because you have the like bumbling, nice, shy guy. You have the girl that's like kind of in a relationship with somebody who's rich and powerful. And then they have, like, who's an awful person because he's actually married to somebody else. Yeah, You, know, you so have them meeting in a super cute way and then they run into each other in super cute ways again. They and then, fall apart. Right. There's a moment where the character gives up on life and right. on, love and on every, love. everything. Then the moment of realization where he will go to any stretch, any by any means, by hook or by crook, by horse or by buggy or by motorcycle or by bike or by it's literally like it's just on paper all of this is just like oh my god like that it sounds like barf it, it's so not though it's so genuine i think you make a good point with i think the music perfectly does this i mean even the part where he blows up the bag mm-hmm. and pops it 
yeah. in time, like how the music is done. The I, only thing I wish they would have done is also include the pop sounds for the champagne. Yeah. Yeah. There was a couple of times where they did miss out on like a few of the sound effects. I did notice that. Yeah. But for the most part, like the flat tire part was really, really great. I also liked when they would use cue cards and when they wouldn't. Because it wasn't like every time they talked, they're like, here's what was said. Here's what right. was said. Like, they allowed the audience to like they trusted the audience that they'd be able to follow it enough because it would have been really annoying if every two seconds there was a cue card right and then what i found myself doing in the movie is i was like anticipating which aspects of the dialogue are they going to shine a light on more than others like which right. ones do they specifically want to and i just found that to be like perfect like a really good use of it, it wasn't overused it wasn't underused it was used to the right amount and it was just like clearly a lot of thought was put into that too so it's just like i really appreciate that too it was nice to like almost be able to use your imagination and plus i guess someone that's familiar with rom-coms like i think it was easier for me to kind of follow along to be like all right i get the gist of what they're doing here but like it was just kind of nice to just interpret it you know however you wanted like however you thought they were you know how they were just saying their lines because like you would see their mouth moves we're saying something and the expressions just the again i know i've said this a few times but just the facial expressions were so incredible from every single act they you have to perform and it really did make me wish that every year there was like two or three like silent films that would come out where like modern filmmakers would take the approach fully to silent films where they got like a full orchestra and really got people to act and even did it in black and white. And like we had the artist, which I'm very interested to see now after seeing this and a few other ones this week. But for the most part, it's like once in a great, great while. But I'd love like once or twice a year to be able to have this experience with a filmmaker really throwing back to this era and doing it when it would just be I think it would be really interesting to see more silent films, which I know is a very hipster thing to say but i would love to see it i really would well i feel like now everybody needs to have this like deep meaningful or like message or a twist ending or it's just like sometimes the simple or straight to the point story is just as beautiful like this movie didn't have any words any dialogue and you still felt you felt her sadness because when she cried you can literally see her chest moving because she had to you know interpret how hysterically sad she was when he left her you know you yeah. get the big hugs like essentially almost overacting i still felt like it was so genuine and still beautiful to watch even though there wasn't like this like big reveal or anything that like modern movies i think need to have or feel like they need to have yeah it felt very modern because of how effective it was with showing and not telling that's every single silent film that's what it is it's showing not telling it can't really do so i'm sure there's plenty of silent films i could see where it's like cue cards every two seconds i'm like oh my god they're telling me everything and allowing nothing to be read between the lines i'm out of this this is like this just feels like right. a slideshow. this felt like a movie it did not feel like a slideshow did not feel like it just didn't it felt like a full-on modern film so i'm really impressed is there any other aspects that you want to touch on before we kind of get to our ratings and then we'll kind of also be talking about next week which is black and white films which we've gotten a ton of good responses from our fans for as well as i have 
quite a few myself, but before we leave Girl Shy. No, I, I loved this movie. I loved pretty much every aspect of this movie. I thought the end chase scene was a little long, but I actually rewatched it again this morning. And it's just like, it's so funny. Just yeah. like the way they would do the humor in this was, I thought, because, you know, there's no laugh track. There's no joke. You know, there's no punchline. So it's all just physical, like slapstick humor. Like even like on the train, like I found myself like giggling out loud of just like what was happening. Uh, the music was so well-timed with everything. Thing. So there's just definitely just like nuances that I really appreciated in this movie. So I gave you the super romantic feel. Like I felt this was more romantic than a comedy, but it still had like funny components to it. And I really enjoyed this movie and I'm glad this is the one we picked. Yeah, me too. I felt good about it as soon as I saw the opening little title card where it mm -hmm. kind of looked like a Looney Tunes like episode in a yeah. way. But it was like just this beautiful artwork of all these ghosts of women like above this like this goofy man silhouette it was just like wow like this is like haunting him in a way and it's like it's like a really like ghastly kind of image and it's like but it's really a I think it informs a lot once you've seen the movie of viewing that. So it's like props. I've been able to watch this movie twice. The rewatch is really enjoyable of this movie. So it's a great one to watch on Valentine's Day or after Valentine's Day with your uh, with your significant other or alone. It's I will say the ending though of, you know, you always get the big like stop. Uh -huh. No, he just straight up snatched his girl back. Which yeah. like, right over the cave right bander a little bit. Yep. Uh, and like, like kicked homeboy down the stairs. I appreciate in the sense if he tried to talk, but again, once again, stuttered and was like, screw it. Uh -huh. I know she wants me. I want her. I'm just taking her. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. He's like, like, Damn, Harold, you, you grew a backbone in this movie. Exactly. He didn't even have to take off the glasses to be sexy either. Yep. He kept the glasses on. They didn't do the, oh, you got to take off your glasses to be hot trope. So that was, she saw that. <laughs> they missed that one, I guess. They <laughs> right. knew they were supposed to be together and he just scooped her up and was like, let's go. He saw the Cracker Jack box. He knew. Yeah, he knew. Like, ah, eat your biscuits and find your loved one. Are you ready to get to our ratings? Yes. All right. So I'll lead off today just because like, I feel like you're maybe a bigger fan of this movie than I am, but we're probably about the same on this one because I'm actually going to be giving this movie five stars. Cool. Yeah, <laughs> I give it five stars. I just can't really explain why I give movies five stars because it's just, I don't think, I don't go from a general perspective. I go from my own perspective, my own emotional perspective. This movie at multiple points for multiple reasons really emotionally got to me and I was shocked by that actually. Um, I was expecting to kind of appreciate this movie, marvel at this movie a little bit of it being so old and even being able to make sense, but it more than made sense. These old movies over and over again as you watch them, don't feel like they were made yesterday. Yesterday. One way that's kind of fascinating and another way it's kind of sad and scary. But with this, it was really encouraging and validating. And uh, I really loved it. And for it being the first rom-com, it took so many risks for it being the first of its kind. It really was not afraid. It was really like Harold as a film. Like it just was like able to be itself and also present itself in other ways. I really loved it. So I think it really is hugely influential and not brought up enough by people at all. I'd never heard the title of this movie until I did some research. And uh, I think more film fans should experience Girl Shy and be aware of Girl Shy and its impact on movies. All righty. I'm not going to give it five, That's but I am, I am going to give it four and a half because right. I mean, I was just, this movie like made me happy to watch. 
-hmm. I really enjoyed it. I love like when you watch a movie and it has like a lovely romantic feel. Like, you know how I feel about Brooklyn. Like I just, it gave me that same feeling. And it's just like, it just felt lovely to watch and just like to watch their relationship bloom. And you don't hear anything that they're saying. Like it was just all them, the way they look at each other. It's all up to your interpretation of when they, because there was a lot of times their mouth moved and they didn't tell you what they said. Exactly. And I loved I love having yeah, you got to use your imagination and just kind of like, you know, where do you think this is going with their relationship? I thought the music was was amazing. I loved I loved the stunts. I loved the comedy. I loved I mean, this movie, I literally was just like, I can't believe this was made in 1924 because and I mentioned it earlier, like just the set, the modes of transportation, like this was so involved. I truly cannot believe that this movie is almost 100 years old. Yeah. And, but I do like what you were saying, like, I feel like there's a lot of times you watch a 90s movie and you were like oh my god the 90s like this is a 90s movie mm -hmm. we are just blowing everything up but this movie could pretty much be remade frame for frame in 2021 and it would still be fine it'd be oh, a god. it'd be a 40 million dollar budget instead for right like yep. and it'd be worse and everybody'd be like why did they remake this go watch the original yeah i think listening to what you said it's like those are the things that make for a five-star movie for me um so this is gonna be i think our highest rated one so far yeah which is awesome 4.75 average here which is really really cool to have a silent uh, movie probably one of the ones where we're looking at the like challenge list that we're like oh how are we going to talk about it makes me look forward to a lot of these other subjects so as always we still got one more section here and it's one of my favorite sections if not my favorite section and it's the recommendation section first i'm going to go with our fans recommendations which you guys are the best we're getting more recommendations by the week we're getting more people who want to be on the show and we're going to get to everybody here I'm just pulling up our list here. And here's a few that I definitely saw brought up quite a bit. One was A Face in the Crowd. This is from 1957. Elia Kazan, who has directed a few uh, Oscar winners as well. I'm just blanking on right now. But Patricia Neal and Andy Griffith. Uh, it's an ambitious young producer, radio producer, Marsha Jeffries, finds a charming rogue named Larry Lonesome Rhodes. Great name, by the way. Wow. In an Arkansas drunk tank and puts him on the air. Soon Rhodes' local popularity gets him an appearance on television in Memphis, which he parlays into national network stardom. That uses to endorse a presidential candidate. So this is kind of what this sounds like to me is black and white. Uh, what was that movie? Joe Dirt. <laughs> <laughs> like when Joe Dirt's being interviewed by Dennis Miller and then he like becomes like a national phenomenon and I love Joe Dirt so I don't mean that as an insult <laughs> but that's what it sounds like but sounds interesting for sure pretty complex a few other ones um that we got uh 12 angry men which uh, yeah I've also seen but I wanted to bring up the Manchurian candidate I've only seen the remake me too uh, the remake sucks yeah, the remake was awful, so maybe the original with Frank Sinatra is better, but I don't know. Roman Holiday was brought up a lot. I've seen Roman Holiday, so and yeah. also, I might be watching that just because it's a love story, and I'll probably yeah. watch it. Today. Also, I think we should mix it up this week and not go love story. Maybe yeah. again. I'm actually gonna knock out a face in the crowd. We have Doctor Strangelove, which is one that for some reason I just haven't seen yet, but it's with Stanley Kubrick. It's about it's about the Cold War, nuclear bomb. It's got a lot of social commentary. It may be a little dense, but it could be interesting. Uh, Casablanca was brought up by Garth, of course. So I just wanted to mention that, but we're not going to be going with Casablanca. Psycho, which oh, I have seen. So but, good. That's, yeah. like a, that's a perfect movie. That's yeah, perfect. It's a pretty, pretty great movie. Um, and then Schindler's List. 
which I've been avoiding for a long time, but is one that eventually I've got to see. And I would like to talk about maybe not on a podcast, but maybe I would. I don't know. I am Jewish uh, in case I haven't mentioned that this episode. You uh, haven't yet. We yeah. There we go. Take it off your bingo boards. This, in all seriousness, uh, I do want to see this movie at some point. I know that it's great. I know that I will most likely really appreciate and enjoy it. I think that it'd be interesting to see a Steven Spielberg movie that's not a blockbuster as well. I really do appreciate when Spielberg takes the smaller stories. So that's one that it's a modern one, but I want to see. And then Andrew Barr brought up The Thin Man. I don't know anything about The Thin Man, but I'm going to put that on the list. Do you have any that you were able to um, pull up for recommendations? Um, Well, I have a few that are my romantic ones that I will most likely watch uh, today or tomorrow just because it's Valentine's Day. So I have not seen um, Roman Holiday or The Philadelphia Story. I haven't Um, seen Philadelphia Story. And I love Jimmy Stewart and I love Cary Grant. So then you put them together also with Katherine Hepburn, like sign me up, like all the way up. Adelaide Spence recommended and a lot of people recommended and I haven't seen this yet either. It happened one night. Okay. Um, that is also something I've wanted to see. And I've also never seen Citizen Kane. So, hey. Okay. Yeah. So, that is, uh, those are ones that I have not seen, would love to see. Interesting. I know. I know. Okay. So, um, I'm going to bring up a few more that um, they've been on my watch list for a while. Um, so, I did want to mention them Throne of Blood, um, that is Akira Kurosawa. It's his take on Macbeth. I don't think I've ever seen a film adaptation of Macbeth. And so I'm not sure I quite understand the story of Macbeth. I know a few of the Shakespeare stories, not uh, Macbeth. So I've heard a lot of great things about Throne of Blood. It is Kurosawa, so he's a master of cinema. And I know you haven't seen a Kurosawa movie. I think that hearing oh, your thoughts on Akira Kurosawa is a must listen to the podcast. It might drive <laughs> Jake Meltzer off a bridge. It might kill him, but it will be worth it. And then uh, The Hustler is another one I have. Just heard a lot about this one. It's about pool sharks starring Jackie Gleason. But it's a lot more about a character study of a man who's as afraid of winning as he is of losing. So I think that could be a really deep story and really entertaining. Also taking place in like smoky pool halls, probably some cool, good billiards action along with like some good, just a good man's man movie after this rom-com of a week, you know, that would be great. I just sold that one right down the river. And then Roma. I have not seen Roma, Alfonso Cuaron. Oh, and i it looks gorgeous it's about a family of house cleaners i believe and just i think it's probably a really enriching and endearing story and it's a modern black and white film so i wanted to have a modern one on there so i got kurosawa's thrones of blood throne of blood which it's not really scary don't the name of it i've been told the title is a lot more intimidating than the actual story but kurosawa the hustler and um, then Roma are my picks. So which of the six that aren't yours would you like to add? I'm very interested in like going with the modern black and whites. Okay. Only because I feel like, you know, you have all these classic movies, but they were made in black and white because they didn't have a choice. Mm-hmm. So I would wonder why a modern filmmaker would choose to then make their movie in black and white versus 
in color, if there's a significance to the story, I wonder if the story would affect me differently, knowing that it's in black and white. That makes me a little bit more curious about Roma compared to all the other ones. Okay, I'm going to withdraw The Hustler. I'm going to add Cold War also, which was a black and white film that was nominated for Best Foreign Language Film last year as well. It's it's more of a serious uh, romance from what I've been able to understand, but the cinematography is amazing. So those are my two that I'll say, Cold War and Roma. For modern and then throw to blood. So which of those three? We're gonna just pick it up a little bit here. I'm still gonna pick Roma because okay. I'm going against your man's man pick. Okay. I'm going to go with the thin man. I looked up a synopsis for it, so I'm gonna read it for you here. This would be Andrew Barr's suggestion. It's the story of a retired detective who, while spending much of his time managing his wife's considerable fortune and consuming quantities of alcohol, is asked to follow the trail of a missing inventor. Although reluctant to interpret his holiday in Manhattan, he is persuaded to investigate by his wife's craving for adventure. And together they embark upon a case that leads to the disclosure of deception and murder. So it's like, oh, uh, yeah, it's a little bit of romance there. It's like rekindling, uh, you know, the marriage flame through, you know, solving a murder. Like, why not? Yeah, so I'm going to go with The Thin Man. I don't know anything about it. I've never heard of the director of it. And yeah, it's by W.S. Van Dyke. Uh, that sounds like an old director. It's from 1934, so we'd be moving a whole 10 years later from Girl Shy. But so we're, we got the battle here. We got the classic versus the modern. So how do we figure this out? I feel though like I just like classic movies more than I like modern ones. Like I don't. I feel like I had the opportunity to see Roma several times. It's on Netflix. Yeah, and I have it. But this is one of these where maybe we see and then we wonder what we're waiting for. I don't know. What do you want to do? You want to flip a coin on this one? Oh, man, I would hate to do that. This is a really tough decision because I think with one, we're going to have a pretty plot. Here's, I think, what we got to figure out what we want to do because I don't want to flip a coin. That's just not how we're going to do it on a podcast. That's just terrible. We got to figure out, are we are we plot driven this week or are we more emotionally or more emotionally driven? Because I don't think Roma's going to have a huge plot. I think Roma's going to be a, a day in the life type of presentation with a lot of just kind of statements on what it means to, you know, be an individual in this in this setting. While Thin Man, I think, could be a lot of fun. It could be like a caper. We'd maybe be going a little more scene through scene with that one. What are you feeling? Um, I mean, I'm emotional all the time. I'm just an emotional person. Are you going to cry, though? Because, like, I can't cry with you on a podcast. Like, that's just weird to me. Well, we'll see. We'll see when we get there. I don't want to ruin the magic. (laughs) I'm going to let you make that. It's Valentine's Day. I'm going to let you make the pick. Then I'm actually, I think I'm going to pick the Thin Man. I think that sounded like a (laughs) Oh, man, the upset. I love it. We are going with 1934's The Thin Man, directed by W.S. Van Dyke and starring uh, Myranda Myranda Loy and William Powell, as well as Maureen O'Sullivan. So I will learn how to say Myranda's name over this week. I'm super excited. This is what this is all about. It's about finding out movies I didn't even know existed before. So Thin Man is our choice for black and white films. And that brings us to the end of episode seven of Digesting Cinema with Aaron and Christina. Before we go, Christina, is there anything that you want to mention to people that may be coming up or anything with regards to your social media? Um, You guys can follow me on Twitter at, at Christina underscore VEE 19. My first Smodown match was announced. Uh, it will be airing on March 25th. So Christy V is playing Rick the Rager Radis. So check that out. Hopefully I win because that would be super 
super more definitely more fun than losing. <laughs> hey, it's about having fun. It's about having fun. That's what I always say because I lose a lot. But we're all excited to see you making your debut, being the first of the Fan Four to um, make that trek across. You know, you're the pioneer. You're the first of the Fan Four to be announced. You're the first to play. Oh, no. Like, Rue's playing before me. Oh, my Rue is third. Oh, shit. Wow. Mm-hmm. I, I've, I'm all behind on my showdown news. Tune into your showdown after shows or whatever, and you'll catch up on those. But anyways, I'm uh, Aaron. You can find me at at Aaron J-A-Y Brooks on Twitter. If you want to drop me any recommendations, definitely we can do so there or join the Featured Presentation Productions Facebook group. That's uh, where we're going to be dropping. Um, if you want to be on an upcoming episode, we're going to be seeking out people to sign up ahead of time here. We're going to be putting those out soon. Also, recommendations are allowed there and anything else with Featured Presentation, which is the reason we're able to do this show. So thanks as always uh, for listening. Thank you to Tony for editing and thank you to Christina for being a great fellow host here on this podcast and continuing to just find great movies with me to digest. So till next time, keep digesting cinema, everybody out there.